0: Hello and welcome to Clinical Pearls for Graduate Physios, the podcast that collaborates with experts in the world of physiotherapy to give upcoming and newly graduated physios key tips and tricks to help them in their everyday practice. I'm your host, Dion Capnius, and today I'm joined by Shane O'Sullivan to talk about the pathway into sports physio. Shane is the director at Errol Street Physiotherapy and also works as a sports physio for my beloved Western Bulldogs in the AFL. He's had a wealth of experience in sports physio and so I was so grateful to be able to speak to him. My top three clinical pearls for listeners are, firstly, for athletes, their bodies, their livelihood, and so the work you do tends to show up in their outcome, which is really rewarding. Secondly, to progress into different roles, it's about building networks, taking up opportunities, and having good mentors around you. Lastly, it does take a very committed clinician to work in elite sport. I really enjoyed my chat with Shane, and I hope you get something out of it. Shane thanks so much for joining me and uh, it's a pleasure to have you on. No worries Dion great to be here. Yeah I'm really looking forward to this one I think um, I was chatting you before essentially this one's going to resonate with me a lot and I think it'll resonate with a lot of people I was uh, I remember in my very first uh, lecture at La Trobe for the physio course the associate professor sort of stood up and asked who he was, would be keen in, um, being an AFL physio, and I reckon probably 75% of the room put their hand up. So <laughs> hopefully this is an area that hopefully um, a few people are interested in. Um, what is it about being involved with sports clubs that is so appealing to you, and how does it differ from your typical days at the clinic?
1: I suppose it goes back a, a long way. I grew up uh, playing footy. Um, so I was, I was always in, play, playing footy and basketball. I was always interested in sport from a young age um and as I as I got a bit older and you start to think about what career path you're going to choose probably had a couple of injuries um which sort of stimulated my interest in in the body and how it all works and a sort of physio and and that was probably the really early really early stages of my passion for for physio um and 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 as I progressed I sort of that, that passion grew, and and then uh, obviously I worked through the stages to get into the course. Didn't get directly in; had to go the back door through human movement. Um, but I uh, I eventually got there. Um, in terms of what what really gets uh, makes me passionate, I think I, I enjoy the elite level stuff because you really get that opportunity to work with um, you work with the best of the best um and you can work with them on a daily basis and you and the work that you do is really reflected in that outcome i know sometimes although it's still rewarding working in clinic with patients um sometimes you can their their motivation can can be at times sway a little bit with with our practice patients and we know with an elite athlete that their body is is their livelihood so um, they're, they're putting in 110, percent and you know that the work you're doing is going to be reflected in, in the outcome. Um, in terms of the differences, obviously working in the clinic, I've just mentioned there that you, know, you still get a lot of really motivated patients in the clinic as well. But um, I tend to find you get you get most of that bang for buck in in the elite sports environment.
0: And I think that environment. Oh, sorry, not that environment. That motivation. Um is something that I find really it bounces off me as well. I think if the person in front of you is really keen to push themselves and get the best out of them, then you're more willing to to put in the work to help them and to really support them to get towards that. Do you find exactly. that's the case? Yeah. Definitely,
1: definitely. And and you can really apply your knowledge um, when you're working with elite athletes. You know, if you build up a really good knowledge base and skill set in those early years post-graduation, then um, yeah the application is really seamless of that knowledge and putting it into practice um, really you really bear the fruits of, of your labors i suppose in in working with the elite level um you do get that in the private practice don't get me wrong but um, but but you really you really you can really capitalize on that in the elite level
0: yeah, I can definitely imagine, um, especially when that's, your, that's what you're doing day in, day out, and you've got you're surrounded by this environment, which is just, I mean, overall, I imagine, really motivated to do the best. Um, exactly. And you mentioned before that, um, talk, how you had, what, growing up, you sort of played sports and had a few injuries yourself. So you might be able to resonate um, with this. Um, one dilemma I've faced over the last couple of years has been deciding between playing sport myself or getting involved in sports training for a local club. Um, do you have any advice around this
1: hmm. so my direct experience i i finished playing sport at around pretty early when i graduated i stopped playing um at about 24 25 years old um, and that was my decision to to stop probably four or five years later i i regretted it to a degree where i, I you know I, I could have gone on and, and had an extra couple of years but then i look at the flip side and i was able to Get in and do some early sports work um, as a trainer, as a physio at an um, amateur club in those early stages. So, you know, it's it's really I suppose I weighed up where I was at, what level I was at, and I was a bit of a hack footballer. So, you know, I wasn't making a living out of playing football. Um, there was the potential for me to get injured. You know, if I had a sprain your thumb pretty easily playing footy. Um, you know, and your thumbs are pretty important for, for us clinicians. So, um, you know, I made the decision, weighed up pros and cons and made the decision to step out earlier, regretted it to a, a small degree a few years later, um, but then in the big picture now I look back, I'm I'm still getting fit. Um, there, there's the opportunity to play sport uh, at a lower level during weeknights and, you know, you're going to be a busy busy bee, but you, um, you can fit it in um, if if you've still got some passion for sport. Uh, so so I, yeah, I made the decision to step out, but there's no doubt that um, if you're an organised person, you should be able to coordinate both aspects.
0: Yeah, great. And I think it's probably just um, having to make some cuts somewhere because I think if you want to play the top-level sport yourself, You're going to be committed to maybe two trainings and most of a Saturday for a lot of sports. And if you want to take your sports training anywhere, you have to, you probably have to have those same um, schedule. But I guess what your point is is to make, you can probably do still play sport, but maybe lower level, maybe not have those same um, time commitments. Correct.
1: Yeah. Um, I went through uni with a few um, that were elite. Athletes, so there's a few AFL players and they're few and far between. They're not it's pretty difficult to get to that top level. Um and they were doing sort of part-time physio and, and spread it out across seven or eight years. So so that's possible as well. And then at least if you are at the elite level, you've got you've got something to fall back on when you, you finish your career in sport. So there's there's definitely opportunities to, to coordinate both, even if you are at that, at that top level.
0: If we start to talk about um, your first involvement with sports as a sports trainer or as a physio, I imagine physios like yourself all started off at a you know a small sports club. How does this process usually take place from starting small at your local level to eventually being offered a position at somewhere like the AFL or other elite sports levels?
1: Okay. So in this instance, when I, when I started, it was a bit about uh, who who I knew and it was... The local club that I played at and the physio there, um, so it gave me a bit of uh, a grounding and a bit of a, a foothold into being able to do some physio at an amateur club. From there, um, it, it really—I mean, it's about building networks. I think in your first few years out of uni, if you can build some networks, uh, then you'll be able to to get the opportunities to be able to 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 progress into different roles. Now. Uh, I think we've we've all got to cut our teeth somewhere, so we need to be thinking about those lower-level amateur sports, trying to get... I think sports training roles can be really invaluable to to be able to just get into the environment uh, and experience what it's like. If you haven't played in that sport, then you need to actually be immersed in that sport to some degree. So sports training roles can be really effective um, in doing that. And then getting your um, your opportunity for that first physio role, I think, is you, you really take that up as soon as possible. Um, having appropriate support, mentorship around you. So I know of some people have gone a bit too hard too early into the you know, elite semi elite level and they haven't got the foundations to, to apply and, and it hasn't gone that well, so. Stepping back, making sure you've got someone to look up to and learn from in those early stages, Um, working in amateur sport first of all and and progressing through the ranks I think would be my advice um, in the beginnings.
0: Yeah, and that's great. And one of the points that I think um, is important in there is having that good mentor or having the appropriate development around you to ensure that you're not just getting in there and you're by yourself all the time and you don't have that opportunity to learn from someone more senior. Um, that probably brings me towards yep. talking about postgrad studies. Um, it seems like a lot of the top end sports physios have gone back for further study um, once they've graduated. Are there any courses that you think are particularly worthwhile um, completing if your goal is to get into sports physio?
1: Yeah, so I mean as I was going through it was it was generally viewed that we ne- you need to have a sports masters, sports physio masters, uh, which would hold you in better stead to get some of the more elite-level jobs. And I think that still stands. If you're going for elite-level jobs, again, look at your credentials, obviously, um, your education history, and 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 having a sports master's would really bolster your, your opportunities. Um, so I, I'd recommend sports master's prior to that. Um, as you come out of uni, uh, there's some there's certain courses that i think um, are important for new grads to complete so going through the apa um, we've got your level one spinal level one sports level two sports there your staples that i'd i'd highly encourage people to to complete um, talking more specific shoulder courses lynn watson um, lynn watson's shoulder she's got Levels of her shoulder, one, two, three, um, and then if we're talking hip and groin, I'd be thinking in the realms of Andrew Wallace, his hip and groin clinics, and he's uh, one of my mentors in the early stages. Um, so his his courses are excellent, and um, and we're creating a course ourselves through a couple of guys and work with at Errol Street, which is trying to bridge the gap between as Early couple of years post graduation, um, and trying to get people, get their clinicians to develop into effective practitioners sooner. Um, with a, a pretty much, it's a full course of um, we're going region by region. So we'll, we'll keep you uh, um, keep you in the loop with that Dion, and for you listening as well.
0: Yeah, definitely. And um, off air, and we were sort of saying, you know, we've, we've already sort of shared that. Um, with the Latrobe group which is great um, but definitely I think once we sort of get this up and going um, in a more public basis then we'll definitely be able to share that but um, yeah I think some of those that you mentioned um, I've already heard of myself um, which is good to hear I guess um, and that yeah, yeah and I think um, the, it's good that you not only mention these bigger courses like the, the Master of Sports Physio but there's some of these even weekend ones um, shorter ones that you can complete um, sort of whatever level um, you're at and you can sort of slowly pick away at them. Even one that we didn't really speak about much, I assume you've heard of it, um, like this Australian, the Strength and Conditioning Association, sort of level one, two, three, I think they've got.
1: Yeah, yeah, I've definitely heard of it. Um, and I, so, so my experience in um, developing my knowledge around strength and conditioning has really come f- from practical experience on the job. Um, from working you know, in, in in the footy footy world for the last 10 years so I, I i haven't had direct experience with it when i was coming through uni it was a, it was a probably um a hole that we, we, we sort of didn't get filled through the undergrad and even postgrad struggled to to get much um in the in the realm of sp- um, strength and conditioning so so i'd definitely encourage um following up in, into into that uh, series of courses. I think it would be invaluable to have that going into an elite environment, definitely.
0: Yeah, great. Um, I guess if we start to focus more on just those bigger ones, so like your Masters of Sports Physio, when would you recommend completing a course like this? When I spoke to Mal, who's another one of the guests and she works at La Trobe, she spoke about holding off from completing some of these bigger PD courses until you're at least... Probably six to twelve months into your first job, or else you don't have that contextual knowledge to really apply what you're learning effectively. Do you sort of agree with that?
1: Yeah, I completely agree, Uh, and I I even think it's probably longer. Uh, I I reckon that first twelve months, you're you're in a bit of a spin. You just you're just trying to find your feet. Um, You're trying to build a network. You're, You're trying to get some mentorship. You're doing these early courses. Which I'd encourage in that. Probably that first two three years. At the three year mark, I think that's you should have enough real world experience, enough skills, enough knowledge to be able to then go for that more formalised education route. So, so I definitely encourage waiting, um, building up your bank with those earlier courses, uh, and then and then getting to that in that three to five year postgrad.
0: Yeah, and I think that's probably where it differs a bit more. From I think when I spoke to Mel, it was more about PD, so maybe more weekend or a couple of week courses. But yeah. I think that's a good point that you make that for these bigger ones, which is I think it's a couple couple of years. Is that right? Yeah,
1: your Masters of Sports was when I did it was uh, three years in total, um, with various requirements across those three years. Ago.
0: Yeah, so I mean that's obviously a much but a much larger commitment. So it makes yeah. sense to have a, a much bigger wealth of knowledge before you really get stuck into that. Um, Correct. One aspect, I think, of working in elite sport that is perhaps underlooked is the commitment required. It seems like I've, I spoke to John, um, who you work with, a little bit about this, and essentially the general theme seems to be with a lot of these sports jobs there's a lot of hours required for relatively not that much pay. Would you be able to give give some insight as to the demands of the job um, when working at this level? Yeah, so
1: it, it does take um, a very committed clinician to to be in that elite level. Um, so I've done the last ten years, and and you're looking at um, in season it gets it gets quite hectic. So yeah, if you take if I take you through a typical week, we've got say from so from Monday we're in we're in a Recovery mode, and we may have a block of treatment, um, and then players doing recovery. So you might be in the club for might be in the club for six hours. Tuesday will tend to be more of like a tech skills training day, and that'll be a full day. So you've got treat, training prep, you've got training, then you've, you've got some treatment. Probably eight hours. they will get a day off probably in the middle of the week. Thursday will be main training, so that's a big day, eight hours. Um, and then Friday might be what we call captain's run. So that's just like a, a short little kick around and a run. That might be four or five hours with some treatment involved. You've got game day, which is eight hours. Um, so, And then there's usually a recovery on that day post-game, um, which one of the physios will need to attend. So essentially in season, it's a seven-day-a-week seven uh, proposition. Uh, and you're right, look, the, the remuneration for for sport and especially with um, throwing COVID into the mix has probably impacted it negatively where, where sort of, and every industry has been, I suppose, where um, you know, the money's just not there and the, and the wages have been uh, pulled back a little bit. But, um, yeah, you know, with scope, obviously the next few years for that to build up again. Having said, the commitment in-season is huge. Off-season, you do get a, a decent amount of downtime. We'll have a lot of players going for surgery, so they need rehab, but you're sort of away from the daily daily grind of, of the the eight hours a day. Um, you get a, a good break. Players get eight to ten weeks, depending on where you finish, especially with, with the AFL, especially um, you know, as a staff member, you might get five or six weeks off. So it so sort of balances out in the off-season. In-season, it's, it's a big commitment. Um, and if you've got some clinic work on top of that, then you've got to be mindful that, you know, burnout can can happen quite easily and, and you really need to coordinate some down periods. Um, I think just on that quickly, if you're going down the elite path, you know, having some clinic work or something to fall back on is an important element because, I mean, the, the elite sport environment can be quite volatile and we see each year there's a big turnover of physios. If a new coach comes in, then sometimes the whole medical department gets wiped. So um, having something in the background where you haven't got all your eggs in one basket I think is is probably smart.
0: That's really interesting and I didn't think, I mean, it's not something I immediately think of that if a new coach comes in or a new set of people who are in charge of the club that some of these cuts might be pretty um wide and even across the whole medical department I know we sort of spoke about a little bit about the money there, but I I don't think it's really too much of a focus and I don't think I'm gonna make too much of an emphasis on it because that's not what you're in it for you're in it for really to to work with the highest level athletes
1: and don't get me (laughs) wrong the wage is the wage is good
0: good. yeah yeah um I I guess it's more of a bonus really as I said um talking about that um when you're on the off season, how many days would you probably be doing um, across the week if you're not in that really intensive block of during the season?
1: Yeah, so so the off season will be there'll be some coverage. It might be three days a week, um, and it might be half days. We we're just really seeing the guys who have come out of surgery and, and and working on that early acute rehab. Um, and anyone else who's had any sort of niggle with their running program because they'll be doing independent running. But then pre- when pre-season starts, which is roughly December, um, then it sort of kicks into gear and it's almost, it's about 80%, 90% of the in-season mode in terms of capacity. So, so it ramps up pretty quick. Um, uh, but, yeah, that that off-season blocks where it's a bit bit slower.
0: Yeah, yeah, and that makes sense. Um, one thing we haven't really spoke about, actually, is I want to ask you is when um, teams are traveling uh, interstate or if there's, let's say, other sports, you know, the Olympics or wherever it might be um, internationally, how does that work for you? And have you found that adjustment hard if you had to go into another state or another country?
1: It was definitely hard during COVID where we were in quarantine uh, a lot of the time. We, we were shipped off to hubs at last minute. Um, last year and then this year we've been to one. So, I mean, that was a significant challenge. Generally speaking, pre-COVID, um, then it, it's been, it's pretty smooth sailing really. Travelling, um, you travel on uh, generally day before the game, you have that night at a hotel where you complete some treatments um, and then the next day's game day, which is pretty free because, it depends when you're playing. Afternoon games come up pretty quick. Night games, you're doing a lot of sitting around. But you know, without the COVID, you can sort of get out and experience the city that you're in, which is which is a perk. Um, but yeah, we get to game. We have the game. We, we travel back the next day after they've done some recovery. So really, it takes up it takes up a three day a three day period. Um, so if you got family, it can can impact negatively there. Um, but, yeah, hopefully we return to some normality next year.
0: Yeah, definitely. And hopefully, you know, you can, like you said, be able to get out in those in that morning of the game day or whatever it might be to actually experience a little bit and just enjoy yourself as yeah. opposed to being stuck in your hotel room. Exactly. Just the last one, what single piece of advice do you think all new grads need to hear?
1: I think the, the most important thing as you come out as a new grad is just... Um, maintain your ability to learn. Okay, so to do this, it obviously takes um, multiple facets to, to get there. Um, you know, one one example is getting the courses right in that first two years. So setting out a calendar of the courses you want to you want to approach and and become involved in. Um, getting trying to attract or, or trying to get a, a mentor. So I know when I graduated, uh, I had the opportunity to work at Prince of medicine and work under mentorship of Andrew Wallace and Lynn Watson, um, which was invaluable for me in building my knowledge base and my skill set, but also just creating the confidence around um, you being a clinician because it is a bit of an identity change as you come out, you're a student, then you're a clinician. If you can sort of surround yourself with those really expert expert practitioners early, you know, that you're just soaking in all their knowledge, but um, you're building your confidence in a certain area. So my confidence with shoulders just rose exponentially after I worked with Liam Watson for a couple of years. So if you have that opportunity to get with, with a, a higher level sports physio and an expert in an area, um, I'd, I'd really encourage that um, and at the same time really just mapping out as many courses as you can of, of the right courses across that initial two years. So learning, learn learn as much as you can.
0: Yeah, and there certainly seems to be a theme across each of the guests I ask around this and what they think their advice should be. I think a lot of it's just really to, to keep learning and to keep an open mind and not be afraid of change and to to keep pushing themselves. So it's, just, it's really good that you're also along these lines as well. Um, and just to finish off, Shane, if listeners want to find out more about you and your work, um, where should they go? I know we already mentioned a little bit about the course that you, uh, you're offering at Errol Street. If you have, Feel yep. free to talk about that as well if you'd like.
1: So people can contact me. So, we've, um, so I'm co-director at Errol Street uh, Physio, North Melbourne, people don't know. Um, they can contact me there at shane at errolstphysio.com.au. Um, as we mentioned, uh, Foundations of Clinical Exercise will be launching next year, so uh, we'll we will be getting our website and socials up over the next coming weeks. So you we can contact me through that once that's up and running, uh, and that's probably the main the main avenues.
0: Awesome, and thank you so much for your time um, this morning. I, I mean, this has been really good, and it's not so much a focus on some of the uh, clinical aspects like some of my other episodes have been about, but it's really good to hear just your insight and your experiences so far with sports and the sports pathway. And there's um, some really good advice that you've um, given within this. So yeah, thank you so much for your time, Shane.
1: No worries, Dion. Happy to help.